0: Hello and welcome to the first official episode of When in Romance, your place to go for talking about romance for Book Riot. I'm Jessica and I have Trisha with me. And Hello. we're happy to be here to talk to you about the good and bad of Romance Landia and the awesome of books. Um, first if you listened to episode zero, you might have caught me in my first mistake. Um, this is a bi weekly podcast, not monthly. So, sorry about that for those of you who thought that you wouldn't have too much stuff to add to your podcast list, but now you do. So, that happens.
1: I mean, that, yeah, that's just like an embarrassment of riches. Oh. So, you're welcome, everyone. We're, we're adding to your TBR like you will not believe. Will not believe. Yeah. I, yeah, I I mean, I feel like that's the kind of thing that you should say you're welcome, not even apologize for it, Yes.
0: Okay, you're welcome. There, we're yeah. done. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, God, we have a lot to talk about on this episode. Um, but before we do, should we do the very first ever official sponsor of One in Romance? We should. Let's do it. Um, so our very first ever official sponsor comes from HMH teen and it is your one and only by Adrian Finley. Uh, this, this book is, uh, it seems kind of amazing. It is a combination of many different kinds of things. The, so the story behind here is Jack is a walking fossil. He's the only human in a sea of clones. It has been hundreds of years since humanity died off in the snow plague, leaving clones behind to carry on the human existence. Over time, they perfected their genes, moving further away from the imperfections of humanity. But if they're really perfect, why did they create Jack? Huh. Meanwhile, Althea 310. And the number actually does mean some things. I uh, did a little reading, so there are a lot of Althea's. So this is Althea 310. Anyway, she's struggling with a feeling that she is different from her sister's. Her fascination with Jack doesn't help. As Althea and Jack's connection grows stronger, so does the threat to their lives. What will happen if they do the unthinkable and fall in love? And since this is a romance podcast, I'm guessing you can guess where things might go. Um, But if you are not a love at first sight person, uh, which does drive some people up the wall, you should know that Althea and Jack's romance avoids the uh, insta-love, as we sometimes call it here in the romance world. Um, Their love feels very earned. It's a fresh concept in that um, the world that Adrian Finley has created is very rich and inventive and takes a much visited storyline, which is, you know, the clone world, which we've heard a little bit about before, but it does something new and different with it, which is very cool. Uh, It's a genuine romance. Um, There are shocking different twists and it's a lot of different kinds of things, right? We're talking about... Um, you know, there's romance, there's a little bit of sci-fi, it's a thriller, um, and uh, if you go to the link in the notes below, you can find uh, not only an excerpt, which is the first awesome thing, but you can also find, um, you, there's a little bit of a quiz where you get to find out what kind of uh, clone you are, which obviously I did, um, and my result is that I'm a clone called uh, Hassan's which means that I am graceful, delicate, good with my hands, that I enjoy planting and gardening, which maybe I enjoy but I'm actually terrible at. (laughs) Uh, I am apparently skilled with machines and mechanical things, which feels pretty generous on behalf of the the quiz, but it was still very nice to hear. Uh, I'm decent and kind, but sometimes indecisive, timid, and this doesn't bode great for the podcast, a little dull. So we'll see. All I'm saying is maybe check out uh, the clone quiz because it was very fun to take. And there's also an excerpt, again, at the uh, link in the show notes. So check that out as well. Um, the book is coming out, I believe, in um, a couple of weeks, in the first week of February. So Ooh, that's exciting. check that out. Yeah. And uh, thank you to them for being the very first ever sponsor of One and Romance. Yes, thank you. I wonder you. who the second uh, sponsor will be. Just kidding. We know. <laughs> um, and if you uh, stay tuned, you will find out as well. Yeah. So, without further ado, um, that is that. So, uh, thanks again. To, again, that's um, your one and only. The uh, book is out in a couple of weeks. It's by Adrian Finley.
0: Excellent. I'm looking forward to that one. I don't read enough sci-fi, especially I mean, romance. That's,
1: well, and that's the thing. Like, this one seems really cool because it's sci-fi, but it's also romance. And one of my... Um, Uh, New Year's resolutions has been to expand my romance reading Mm -hmm. um, into a little bit more sci-fi, a little bit more fantasy. This one's also YA. Um, So I think, I don't know, I may, you know, I don't read enough about clones either. So who does really? Well, and apparently I don't read enough about clones. I didn't even know what kind of clone I would be. So now I know now I need to learn a lot more about me and my clones uh, as, as a group. It's we'll see what happens.
0: It's really funny. We were talking about being able to clone ourselves earlier today. And huh, who would have funk I'd have two conversations about clones in the same day. I, I don't even know. I'm just saying maybe
1: your one and only is ahead of its time.
0: Maybe it is. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Let's go to our first topic. Trisha, yeah. why don't you leave this one up?
1: All right. I, I will. We, um, so we've been talking. It seems as though there has been a fair amount of discussion lately. Um, it, the, the, to be frank, surprised me a little bit um, in the way that has involved romance. So if you are uh, paying any attention at all to what's going on in society, you have seen a lot about the Me Too movement and a lot about women who are um, mostly women, but also um, men and people who I don't necessarily identify with um, gender at all. But who just generally people who are figuring out um, ways to assert their uh, you know, feelings and experiences and power over their um, potentially some experiences with sexual violence, some experiences with sexual harassment. Mm. Just in general, shining a light on um, something that has been hidden away for a really long time. I think the tipping point on this was obviously the Harvey Weinstein news that broke in late September, early October. Mm -hmm. But since then there's just been kind of one story after another time magazine, um, obviously, uh, named the, um, people of the, the Me Too movement as people of the year, kind of the latest story that we have seen, um, has been, uh, a story about a, I, you know, a, a sexual experience that someone had with disease. I'm sorry. Um, without going into sort of a lot of the detail or, or, or getting too much into who said what or did what or what the value on it is, mm-hmm. I think the romance angle on this is that what I have seen that, again, surprised me a little is how people have tied romance as a genre into this conversation. Um, and I think in some ways it surprised me because we've seen a lot of People who have some preconceived notions about romance, Mm -hmm. talking about what it means um, that people who read romance, you know, what people who don't know about consent and romance, um, talking about it in that sense. I think some of the more productive conversations that we have seen are the folks who are saying, actually, if you are looking for a model of hot, consensual, awesome sex
0: you should look to romance. romance. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. And I think
1: um, there have been a couple of really great examples in the last couple of weeks. One of them is the, uh, Jennifer Weiner did an op-ed in New York Times uh, talking about how if we want to teach people how to have, again, hot, consensual sex, uh, they should be looking at romance novels. The other example um, that I would mention, and I would feel uh, a little bit... um, you know weird about calling out somebody's twitter feed except that then actually uh, she wrote about it for I
0: think it was Teen Vogue although I should double check that um, I think it was Cosmo or,
1: Was it Cosmo? Okay. Mm. Um was Andy J Christopher who is a romance author um who's a great romance author um who talked about how her experience as a single woman um the the sex that she has had has actually been more like uh, the sex that was described by, um the woman who wrote about her experience um, with disease and sorry which is to say it was not for her a very comfortable experience mm-hmm. uh, then then has been like the sex that she writes about for her heroes and heroines um which I it was just it was a um Twitter thread that resonated with a lot of friends of mine um who don't read romance or mm-hmm. who you know aren't particularly connected with that but who, are women who have been there and I thought it was a really cool and interesting, um, and to be honest, and I, I don't throw this term around lightly, but I thought really brave way to, um, kind of express that experience. And I actually went back and, um, checked, uh, the book of hers that I have read. Um, and now I'm taking a quick look to make sure that I don't get the name wrong. (laughs) Um, but I double checked to make sure that, um, to, to, just, just to see what her, um, it is called Stroke of Midnight, and it's great. And there's a one-night stand scene, or as it turns out, it's not a one-night stand. Of course surprise, not. Surprise. When is it ever? Um, exactly. Where the um, hero actually, it's its super hot. Like, they, you know, they don't have a lot of conversation. They kind of are instantly attracted to each other, decide this is what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, decide, go for it. It's New Year's Eve, so obviously, like, a very sexy time. Um, and they, uh, the hero checks in with the heroine, multiple times yeah. to make sure that she is in a place where this is what she wants and she's still on board. And never the first time did I read that I read it, did it occur to me that that was even what was happening. It wasn't until I went back and reread it after having um read the the Twitter thread that I thought to myself, "Oh, I don't know if this was intentional or if this was just how, you know, she writes, but I don't know. I thought it was was very cool that um she she kind of put that out there and Yeah, um, totally. You know, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, like I said, it, it surprised me a little. But maybe not you. I, d- I don't know. That, that may just be my experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've read that thread a few times. And, you know, I love how she talks about how, you know, everybody talks about romance novels as being, like, unrealistic because of various certain things. And then she comes out and just says it. Romance novels are unrealistic because, um, hold on, let me make sure I get it right. Male female romance novels generally feature men who care about whether the women they're um, having sex with is not the word she used there, but you know, um, Mm -hmm. are enjoying themselves. And uh, just going back to that stroke of midnight scene where it's just like, you good? How's it going? Mm -hmm. We still good? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't speak for every woman, obviously, but from what we're seeing and what we're hearing, um, and honestly, what's shown in a lot of media that isn't romance media, like, that is not a thing that's always happening. Yeah.
1: And I I was at a um, panel, uh, an RT uh, convention panel, gosh, probably almost two years ago now, and Victoria Dahl, someone was saying to, she was talking about the um, conception, I think, that romance was porn for women. Mm -hmm. And she kind of said, you know, the idea that... that romance is anything other than what women should expect from their sexual experiences, um, or that anyone should expect. You know, I I don't mean to be heteronormative. Um, should expect from their their sexual experiences is is silly. Why would you Why would you not? Um, but I think part of this then uh, starts to tease out a little bit of why. I think it ties into the stereotypes that we as a, as a society and culture have built around romance that, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked in the, um, preview episode about, I held those until I started reading it. I didn't know that it was, was anything other than, um, what, what people had told me that it was. So, um, yeah. So I don't know. Like I said, I think it's, it's a really interesting conversation. And I think until we start to break down some of those walls and preconceived notions, um, we are going to be a, a less for it,
0: you know. Yeah, and you know, going back to the um, the Jennifer Weiner um, article, which was "We need bodice ripper sex ed," and I kind of, I kind of hate the term bodice ripper. Like, even like historically, I don't know why. Because I still use it. I don't. I don't know. It's a thing. Um, it's it's really about like we need people to see what the the romance writers fantasy about sex is because if we if we read Andy Christopher's article and we read more of Jennifer Weiner's article it's all about how we're writing what we should all expect in sex and it's so great that it's it's something that we could actually look to because it's not just about what parts go where? It's about, you know, talking about uncomfortable s- topics that are in the bedroom and out of the bedroom. And, but they start in this kind of nice little pocket of joy. Um, so that was, I loved reading that article because it was just like, yeah, it sort of sucks where we sit right now as far as how we learn about these things and where. <sighs> horrible people. I'm I'm not even going to say just men cuz there there are non-binary people and women who like have certain points of view that are Patriarchal in nature, but anyway, um, <laughs> <they> <laughs> I feel like I feel like you have a um, a
1: lot of thoughts and feelings, and um, if you try to put them into words, they may not be uh, appropriate for the podcast, Jess. So, so I yeah. appreciate that you are doing your best to to work on your restraint. Good for you.
0: I'm I'm trying so hard, um, but the the whole idea that female pleasure is an essential part of the story, and um, She talks about how romance is quietly and not so quietly subversive because they taught readers that sexual pleasure was something women could not just hope for, but insist upon. And talk about what you wanted and talk about what you didn't want and talk about how something didn't work and not always talk about how, you know the first time is always a little painful, but then it's great because that's not everyone's experience. And more romance authors are getting on that boat of, you know, being a little more realistic that way.
1: Yeah. And I will say, I mean, the two things that I'll say um, before, you know, we don't have to stay on this forever. The two things I'll say is one of them that ties in so nicely to what you're talking about is that my favorite sex scene that I have ever read um, I actually wrote about this for a Book Riot when the, the Bad Sex and Fiction Awards came out mm-hmm. just over a year ago, is in um, a book by Courtney Milan called The Duchess War. And mm-hmm. um, the reason that it's the best sex scene I've ever read is because the sex, it goes very, very badly. Ugh. It is, it's awful. It like, goes really badly. But then um, the heroine says to Hero, boy, that didn't work. And he is very frustrated and very uncomfortable because um, neither of them had ever done it before, mm-hmm. and so, but but she kind of says, "I did not get what I needed from that, but can I tell you what I do need and how I might be able to get it next time?" Um, and so they have they work it through, and because they're two people that love each other and want to figure it out, they're able to overcome some of the discomfort and actually move through. And I think that dimension and and that, um, you know, I, I don't know, just sort of, it says so much about the relationship. People think, a lot of people, I think, uh, assume that romance novels are just about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that any good romance writer uses sex to advance a relationship or to tell you something about the relationship. Totally. And that's absolutely what that book does. The other thing that I will say um, is that, Uh, I would absolutely encourage anyone to buy and read Stroke of Midnight or any of of, uh, Andy J. Christopher's other books because I think that they are great and also (laughs) um, that a lot of times people will go out on a limb on a place like Twitter or even uh, Cosmo or whatever else and um, say a thing that takes a little bit more courage or uh, is a little bit more brave and maybe not get rewarded for it in any way other than having to battle a bunch of trolls on Twitter. Um, but if you, uh, are interested in people, you know, if you're trying to support somebody who's doing something like that, I think a really good way to do it that will also get you a very fun, cool story is to then support their work. So, um, that is, that is all I have on that. But if you have (laughs) other thoughts, I say jump on in.
0: Well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to jump on the, um, the Duchess War thing, which is really funny. I remember when I had first read The Duchess War and mentioned it to a co worker who I know loves historical romance. And, you know, she told me she's an older woman. You know, that's cool. That's awesome. She's been reading romance for longer than I've been alive. And she sure. told me she had tried Courtney Milan, but. The beta heroes weren't feeling like realistic enough for her. Like she needed more alpha. And it was really, that was the first time I had actually had a conversation with someone who is so used to more of the old school romance that doesn't approach that kind of consent the way that more modern romances do. And it was just, it was a really interesting thing to think about. And I think about that every time I read a Courtney Milan book. Yeah, um, which is continues because I love them and they're great. And if you haven't read either her historicals or her contemporary series, you should just read them all. Um, oh man, sometime we may. Sometime when it's a snow loo- er, a snow lose
1: week, a slow news week. Sorry, it's been a long day. Um, <laughs> we might have to have like an entire episode just about the Dutchess War. That might be like my very favorite romance for a lot it's just so well constructed so anyway we'll we'll talk about that another we, time
0: we will we'll also talk about how the second uh, brother sinister book is actually just slightly better but oh that's... my gosh
1: actually <laughs> we have no uh we actually have a conversation that we are going to talk about in a little while in which i want to mention that book so that's another teaser we're doing all of the teasers um but maybe we can uh reward the good people for um uh, our initial teaser. Do you want to talk about our? Do you want to? Do you want to tell the good people who are listening to When in Romance who the second official ever sponsor,
0: who are uh, for our show is? Absolutely. Um, thanks a thousand million times to Let's Talk About Love by Claire Kahn, which I'm really excited to read. I haven't gotten it yet. I'm waiting for it at the library. I, I hope it comes soon. Um, this book is um, from Macmillan's Young Adult Imprint, Swoon Reads, which they cho- the readers choose the books that they want to publish. It's really, really cool. Um, and it is the first book that I saw the cover of that I just like wanted in my hands immediately. But let me tell you about it. Um, Alice uh, ended her last relationship after her partner discovered discovered well she told her partner that she was asexual um and then she decides to swear off dating until she starts to get rom-com grade romance feels for a new co-worker oh, uh, nice. like aren't you excited already um i love that i love a good rom-com so um, Alice is apparently a supremely relatable pop culture enthusiast with an unforgettable voice. I'm, I'm getting more excited about this book like, by the second. Um, and she juggles the demands of adulting with the twists and turns of new romantic relationships. And uh, I mean, oh, man, I'm just I'm getting all clamp just thinking about this book. Um, so for anyone who's towed the complicated line between friendship and what it might mean to be something more, this book is a fresh, graceful take on an age-old journey. And it's available now. Like I said, my library hasn't gotten it in yet, so I'm very sad. Um, but you can read it right now once you're done listening to this. Just, like, go get it and look at that cover. Look at that cover. Have you looked at that cover, Tricia?
1: I have. It. It is basically... It's pretty amazing. So, I would encourage all of the people, just like you did, to go look at that cover. And then, uh you know, maybe maybe one way or another, go get that book. Read that
0: book. Go get that book. I mean, we're talking about biromantic, asexual, black female rep here. I mean. And
1: I, yeah, I, yeah, I love everything about this. I think there are a lot of people who, like I was, relatively recently, um, probably maybe even up to a year or so ago, someone who did not realize how, what a how interesting and and cool reading about asexual romance could be. So I think that's I yeah I don't know. There's just a lot here that's going to be really great. Yeah, it's going to be really. I, great. I'm all in.
0: We're looking at and you. I love a good rom com, so you know. Absolutely. And I love people who are pop culture enthusiasts. I love reading about them. They're so fun. I'll tell you about some of my favorites at some point. Um, but once again, that's Let's Talk About Love by Claire Kahn. I think it's I Kahn. It. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: I think so, too. That's one I didn't look up.
1: Oh, man. We did. We did so much looking up before the show. We, we forgot did.
0: that one. We did. So,
1: yeah, Claire, if we got your name wrong, we apologize. Let us know and we will we'll correct it next time. Definitely.
0: You see I'm really good at corrections
1: already. Well, yeah. You know what? We we build skills. That's how that's how we all that's how we all live life. Yes. All right. What do we have next, Jess? I feel like uh, I feel like we've got we've got some some good topics next. One one that I'm pretty excited about.
0: You yeah. want to you want to start us out? Well, I mean, since we're talking about the me too stuff and all of the the um the discussion in the romance world we have to at least acknowledge the interesting take that some people have had about me too affecting hot sexy hollywood movies and you know i i thought i would give it a chance get, you know let's let's look at this what what do they really want to say and if you re- if you've read the article you might know what i'm talking about i'm not even going to to send you towards it if you haven't. Just take my word huh, for I it. Forgot. I forgot. I forgot we were on video Skype, and I'm like just
1: shaking my head. It happened for like the last thirty seconds. I just scrolled over to the screen where we have video. Yeah. So sorry.
0: I did mean to be um so so effusive. Sorry. Please continue. Uh, well, I mean, it's 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 a thing. Um, but the, okay, let's talk about this article. Let's do it. So it talks about how. All of this question about consent and everything could mean that sexy in Hollywood is out, right? But right out of the gate comes completely off base. First, he talks about some projects that have either been put on the back burner or completely disappeared or moved to development hell or whatever, Uh, Let's look at one or two of these, shall we? Oh, no. James Franco's story about a 15-year-old Russian prostitute got put on the back burner. Heaven forbid. Goodness gracious. Oh, Uh, my. So, like, there are a couple others that are projects about, oh, hey, maybe they're sexy things to some people, but, you know um not really to me just reading the descriptions of them that you know got moved around and oh no oh well but if that's what this clueless reporter is getting out of all of the things that are happening right now then they probably don't want to see the sex positive awesomeness that can happen when women tell the stories because we've seen a little bit of what can happen when people who are actually looking at not what's hot but what's good are actually telling some stories. And I got to yeah. tell you. I got to tell you. Do you have anything else to say about this cuz I'm moving on and I'm not coming back.
1: <laughs> All I will say is um yeah, I don't know that this uh, is a is an article that is worth linking to in our show notes. So if somebody wants to find it, feel free. I will let you know just for the sake of um, so, you know, we're not making it up. It's a Hollywood Reporter article called How the Hashtag Me Too Movement Could Kill Some Sexy Hollywood Movies. Um, and I, I'm not sure I believe that the author might um, identify as female, actually, which is, uh, um, you know, worth noting.
0: If they um, do, I'm sorry. I just I got really riled up and just went with the this hey. guy. Fair enough. I
1: also think that
0: um, the mention
1: of uh, a James Franco film may have come out before uh, new allegations um, uh, against uh, James Franco came out, which is not any in any way a... It's, it, that is just context for everyone to have uh, in the mention. like I said, you can find it if you're interested in it. It is a very, I think myopic uh, perspective on what movies canon should be and what uh, sex and romance in movies Canon should be. Mm-hmm. And now I'm with you, Jess. I'm ready to uh, to not think about that anymore and to talk about something a little bit broader related to this topic.
0: Let's talk about romance movies because like. If you're going to think that, you know, the whole consent thing is going to affect, like, hot, sexy movies, then maybe let's look at some hot, sexy movies that have been made by awesome people. And I'm going to go down a little bit of a hole here and talk a lot about my favorite new thing, which is passion flicks. If yes, you, if you haven't tried it out, you should try it out. I think you can do it for free for a couple of days or even a month. I think it's a month. Um, and it is a streaming romance film program. Like, there is a combination of older movies. Well, yeah, let's say older. Um, older movies that were already made by studios and Passionflix is making movies. They've already made three and they are all adaptations of romance novels that exist in this world you've got Alessandra Torres' Hollywood Dirt you've got uh sorry Sylvia Day's After Crap Afterburn Aftershock Aftershock mm-hmm. Afterburn I, can, I always twist those and I never know which one is right um and you've got uh The Trouble with Mistletoe which is so adorable oh my gosh And so adorable! You do not need to watch that with Chris just at Christmas. Like, if you feel the need and you need some happy in your life, just like watch it right now. Just well, no, not right now. Wait until the podcast is over, and then you can watch it. But and and then you know you can go wander around and watch the 2005 Pride and Prejudice or Pride and Prejudice, which is the best Pride and Prejudice adaptation ever. (laughs) Um, Sure. You know I'm right, Trisha. You know I'm right.
1: I have to confess, I haven't seen it. I didn't, until you <laughs> mentioned it, like, last week, I didn't real. I mean, I have, okay, I'm just making excuses for no reason. I'm putting it on the list.
0: <laughs> I will list. go watch
1: Bride and Prejudice, and uh, I will, by the next podcast, I'll be able to report out.
0: Awesome, awesome. And, of course, you know, people are making these in big big studios and putting them out in theaters. You don't just have to watch um, romance adaptations. On your little screen, which Passionflix is available as an app, so you could also watch it on your TV if you have the right TV. But anyway, um, because, okay, so the person who wrote the Hollywood Reporter article did mention Fifty Shades of Grey, and we have to acknowledge it. I acknowledge that it is a powerful being in this world um, that has made a lot of moves and caused a lot of change in romance and and his and frankly has introduced a lot of people
1: to um, romance and erotic romance, and that's awesome. Like to yep. that extent, that's great. And Fifty Shades Freed is the final film in the trilogy, I think. Unless they remake them based on because because so there are three books in the original trilogy, and then they are um, E.L. James is is rewriting them uh, as uh, from the perspective because the originals are done from the heroine. He, she's rewriting them from the perspective of the hero. Who knows? They may remake the movie. They could just be first person
0: point of view. You're just seeing through some eyes. I hope that doesn't happen. Um, Who's to say? Who's to say? say? Um, And we've got Forever My Girl out now. I haven't read the book, but the movie trailer looks really great. Um, Rock star and high school girlfriend, you know, secret baby, but. Everybody has their loves. I actually really love a good secret baby story. I'm gonna be honest. I really nice. do. I really do. do it. Found fatherhood. Like cause usually if it's a secret baby, it's not the the mother who's discovering this unless I have read something where someone like had amnesia and didn't know she had a kid, but that's that's a different story for a different day. Um
1: You know what? We're adding that to the list of things that we'll talk about another time. I think we've got three or four of them at this point. So, yeah, we'll come
0: back. And then, like, there are these movies that you really want to be made, and other people want them to be made, too, and you don't know why they're not getting off the ground. Like Beverly Jenkins, Queen Bev, Miss Bev, whatever you call her, the queen of historical romance, and apparently contemporary, too, has been running a gofundme to get her book deadly sexy which i have not read but has boosted up the list in the past couple years um adapted to film and it's it's less than halfway to its goal like come on let's let's get this one going because it sounds really not like i know beverly jenkins to be and interesting and i want to see it and also i'm gonna say it the more movies we can get with Black characters by Black creators, especially that end well, I am all for it. All for it. Absolutely.
1: And I think that's part of the thing that is a little bit astonishing to me, too, Jess, is that there are so many fantastic, incredibly talented women writing romance and doing this storytelling. And I don't understand why everyone is bemoaning the lack of of good romance writing in Hollywood and I think um, one of the things I mean you I will say you know you will see your Nicholas Sparks movies out there which fine except Nicholas Sparks does not identify as a romance writer and frankly he's kind of a jerk about it which is another thing we'll add to the list of things oh my we'll gosh. talk about another time even um oh yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. uh, even uh jojo moya's uh you know they adapted uh, one of her books uh, a couple of years ago, um, and there was some controversy around that. But either way, they did adapt the book. But again, I don't think that she's a person that identifies as a romance writer as much as a mm-hmm. contemporary fiction writer. Um, whereas there is so much good writing, and I think I mentioned maybe the last time we spoke. If I haven't mentioned it yet, I certainly will talk about it over and over again over the coming weeks. I, I love romantic comedy. It's one of my it's very so favorite things. And I think that some of the best comedic storytelling that's being done right now, full stop, not romantic comedic storytelling, not in books, not any... The best mm-hmm. comedic storytelling at all that's being done right now is being done by romance writers. And, like, you take a book like um, Between a Rock and a Hot mm-hmm. Mess by Phyllis Bourne, which should be I mean, I was reading that book and seeing various scenes from it as if they were awesome. in film. Like the 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 heroine, um, Riley at one point saves um, the, well, she doesn't say that the guy that she has, um, this crush on who is not actually the hero, that guy, the guy that she has a crush on <laughs> is a terrible fit for her. And we as readers all know it, That's, obviously, uh, but she can't see it yet, obviously. Um, but he gets, I think his bag's stolen <laughs> from him and Riley, who is a like, take no, uh, stuff <laughs> from anyone kind of person. Um, just decides, like, no, I will go after this mugger. She goes, and she, like, tackles the person, takes the bag back, and, like, gives it to this guy that she has a crush on, and all I wanted my entire life was to watch somebody film this scene and put it on a screen so that I could watch it. Um, The other, when we mentioned when we were talking earlier, and uh, it sounds like you maybe also have um, some feelings about this particular book, but um, the governor or no, Oh gosh! Now Mm -hmm. I feel the heiress effect, which is the second um, book in the uh, Duchess War series that we were talking about earlier by Courtney Milan. That is absolutely a book that has. I mean, if you, I guess you don't necessarily have to call it a romantic comedy. I think of it as a romantic comedy, comedy, although there's very serious elements to it. And that book, so the heroine in that book is trying to convince everyone not to marry her because she's an heiress, but she can't get married because she has to be able to take care of her sister. And so she spends the entire book essentially trying to act like an out-of-place socialite so that people will be think she's terrible and not marry her. And it's like, scene after scene after scene of comedic And, like, looking gold. to see what and dress, dress she's going to wear
0: next. It's just so great.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she's wearing, like, neon green or neon pink dresses, which she actually loves, which I think is mm-hmm. actually also great. Um, so, that I mean, I don't know. Like I said, there's, you know, um, you and I have both, I, I have read all of and loved all of the um, Penny Reed, uh, Winston Brothers um, series series. I don't know how those books don't get. That made needs into to be a movies. TV series. Um, it's just like, <laughs> yes, oh my god, miniseries, perfect, done. But again, like I said, I just—it's really hard for me to understand, um, you know, how people are so, like I said, uh, frustrated by the state of romantic comedy and. Oh, gosh. I'm going to say a thing. I'm going to get so many <laughs> tweets and emails. So um, one of one of the movies that I really, really liked last year was um, The Big Sick. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I thought it was really, really good. I left that movie thinking, this is such a fantastic comedy. Um, the uh, You know, like, this is a really well-written movie. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I don't think that movie is a romance. And don't at me. I know that the writers are married in real life. I know it's based on their real story. But that's not I get it. what but makes it. But they spend, exactly, they spend so much more time with the female heroine's parents than they do with her. This is, I guess, a spoiler if you haven't been paying attention. She spends half the (laughs) movie in a coma. Like, this isn't... It's a great comedy. It represents an absolutely fascinating story that is not told Mm -hmm. nearly enough in Hollywood. Again, it's a great movie. Please don't tell me all your feelings about The Big Sick. But I am not convinced that that movie is a romance. And I think that there are... There's mm-hmm. room for both. There's room for really good, interesting romantic stories to be told at the box office and I don't know why. I don't know and and you know, you you may know this better than I do. I don't know if there's another genre where there's such mm-hmm. a disconnect between what is being done in books and what's being mm-hmm. done on the screen. Right? If you talk about horror or thrillers or certainly uh-huh. comics and graphic novels, you see those adaptations being done and Part of, you know, what is so surprising about seeing something like Forever My Girl show up on a screen is that Mm -hmm. it's so uncommon. You know, when is the last time there was like an actual romance novel that got adapted to film?
0: And don't say Nicholas Sparks, because I'll tell you. Oh, God. One of the movie theater chains like posted on Facebook. If you like, if you love Nicholas Sparks movies, you'll love this. And I was like, no, I wanted to throw something. No. Um, I know mm-hmm. that that's where people's minds go when they think about cinematic drama. Um, and it's just like, ah, I actually just read a book um, playing the part by Robin Covington. I just finished it a couple days ago. That is a book about. Hollywood actor in a movie... That is adapted from a no romance novel written by a woman, and they bring her on set to help coach him how to be in love because he's never been in love because he's a playboy, and you know where this is going. And it's so great. Um, I have a feeling. Yeah, I have some. I have some ideas about where this might be going. Yeah, but it was it was actually interesting reading the book because they were talking about it as this drama, and he was an action star, and he was trying to get more dramatic roles, and he thought this one would be like a good stepping stone. And then I was like. What movie would that be in real life? Like, I can't even think of what movie someone would have to create it from scratch. Not from scratch, from a romance novel. But, you know, right. like, I, I don't even see that in the current cinematic universe except for privately owned companies like Tosca Musk and Passion Flicks just being like, we're going to buy the rights to these novels and we're going to make them movies and they're actually going to be pretty good.
1: hmm. And to be fair I do think that some of the um Hallmark and Lifetime movies that have come out more recently I I will be frank I don't have cable so I I haven't seen very many of them I do think increasingly some of those movies are based on uh romance but I um but again you know when it comes to major uh studio productions it's just not happening and I've seen I actually review movies as well and I've seen some of the romance movies that have come out in recent years and I'm I can tell you, they are not the ones that are coming out are not better than the ones that I am reading. And in fact they are significantly worse in
0: many different ways. <laughs> and yeah, you're right. I always forget about Hallmark and Lifetime. I am so sorry to both of those networks. I don't have cable either, so it's not in the forefront of my mind like it used to be when I would just sit at home all weekend and watch Lifetime movies because Sure. For some reason I wasn't because reading. I don't know. And also like, why not live your best life? That sounds awesome. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Christmas in July. Uh, Anyway,
1: but anyway, yeah, (laughs) it sounds like we should all be watching, um, uh, Oh, I feel terrible now. The Mistletoe movie that you just mentioned. The Trouble with Mistletoe. Trouble with Mistletoe. It sounds like we should be watching that in January and February anyway.
0: Also, speaking of Lifetime movies, um, although not actually Lifetime because it was on Netflix, if you are familiar with the term hot ghost, he is also in The Trouble with Mistletoe. So ju- that's just a little hint for you. Um,
1: it's a little Easter egg, guys, from Jess Pride. little it's Easter just egg. Just a little, yeah, a little bit of that. I've got lots um, of Um yeah I don't well, we'll look forward to it. We got a lot of podcasting left to do. Yes we do. Um, maybe not today though we've got so my tea has gone cold, and I think we're we're hitting up against our time limit, but we did um there's one other thing that we wanted to touch at least briefly on, if only because I have a little bit of side eye um for the New York Times as I always do for their book section their their news coverage is very, very good. but I don't know. um if you want to should we should we sneak this last piece in, Jess? Oh, yeah, sure, why not? All right. Well, so um, I will start this out, and then you can let me know what you think, uh, because I am certainly someone who has some thoughts and feelings historically about uh, New York Times romance coverage, so I will try very hard to approach this in a just-the-facts kind of way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So here is what we know. Um, So Tina Jordan, who is a writer who used to work with Entertainment Weekly, uh, just joined the staff at the New York Times this month. Um, this is January and, uh, was indicating on Twitter a couple of weeks ago to romance publishers that they, she would be happy to receive their galleys, Mm -hmm. um, which is great. Um, there was also a New York times announcement from earlier this month mentioning that, um, she was coming on board Mm -hmm. that, um, there was a line that said she's worked uh, since the magazine's founding nearly a quarter century ago with uh, Entertainment Weekly, which kind of sounded like a little bit of a dig, but I think I'm kind of a jerk, and I'm a little bit bitter, so that's fine. Um, but whatever, yeah, I think I'd probably be willing to give a little more benefit of the doubt to a lot of people, so whatever. Uh, anyway, the next, um, so they mentioned in the, in the same press release that she's going to be covering uh, literary fiction as well as science fiction and fantasy, horror, thrillers, and romance, mm-hmm. which feels like a pretty broad portfolio, but again, right. fine. Yeah. Um, and if this news came out six months ago, I might have been excited because there was a mention of anyone covering romance at all in the New York Times.
0: However, Especially uh, if it wasn't you, a curmudgeon.
1: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If this had come out before that,
0: <laughs> I might have been...
1: Very excited about it. However, uh, as you may have seen on our site, as covered by our uh, wonderful colleague, uh, Amanda Deal, uh. um, who, who got a little tipsy and um, read some, some New York Times romance coverage last late September, early October. Mm-hmm. Um, so it used to be that the New York Times just didn't cover romance and was pretty okay with it. Mm-hmm. They um, have since indicated that so they did focus on it during uh, one large piece in the fall, which was, I'm just going to say, uh, dissatisfying in a variety of different ways and pretty frustrating as a romance reader. Mm-hmm. Again, we'll link to Amanda's piece, and that's fine. Yep. So I don't know. I mean, I guess... So I, I've checked in a little bit to uh, Tina Jordan's, Jordan's work. She seems to to be really good. I don't know that she has a... A particularly broad romance background and it does seem like her portfolio is going to be a lot of different things
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i don't know I, like what is like 1.7 steps below cautiously optimistic
0: well because that's kind of where i am at this point let's just be cautious but not uh, not upset so, you know, okay. we'll, all right. we'll see what happens with it and see what her stuff looks like. Even even seeing what her other genre stuff looks like. Maybe she's a genre person. They don't have those people at the New York Times, it seems sometimes, unless they're bringing in guest people. So it's like someone who is actually really gung-ho about genre, which maybe she is if she's covering all of those things. If she's not, I'm worried. But, um, you know, we'll see. How she how she does mysteries, and you you're bringing out my better angels, or at least you're trying very hard. <laughs>
1: I'm uh, continuing to uh, to have at least one raised eyebrow, but I I will I will um, aspire to be a little more like you, Jess, and uh, give give credit where it's due. I, there was I mean there was a lot of enthusiasm on Twitter, um, which to be fair, a lot of it was coming from authors and publicists mm-hmm. who also many of whom were supportive of the New York Times coverage back in the fall, and I get that, mm-hmm. right? It's very different to be a romance author or a romance publisher than it is to be a romance reader, and I one hundred, I do not begrudge any of those people any of the you know support or signal boosting or whatever. Totally. Um, and you're right. Maybe we should be more than. Be musedly wary about this. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I like to be musedly wary. Out. Is that like the appropriate like amount behind cautiously optimistic? I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that actually feels that feels a little like um uh this was yeah, for, for a thing that we both love so much, this was, like a, a little more um well next time we'll try to, to find some some better good news about all of the the many things that are happening in the romance world. I feel like a lot of the things this time around were We're a little darker than we would prefer.
0: Yeah, really. But, you know, we got that out of the way and maybe we can. Oh, that's right. We can see. So do you want to end on a high note? Oh, my gosh. I would love to. Do you have a high note? I am reading the wedding date right now. (gasps) Oh, I'm so glad. Yes. Yes. I, you know how last time you were talking about, you know, not going to work. Yep. I went to bed last night with it laid face down on my nightstand and I had to make an effort not to pick it up when I woke up this morning because I knew I would not be in for my 930 meeting Mm -hmm. if I even touched it 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 was like and I started it last night like it's that addictive and I actually got home from work and started reading it before we you know called each other and I want to get back to it as soon as possible (laughs) It's that well, good. Well, I think we are just about
1: done. <laughs> I will say that. Um, uh, so we actually talked, I think, a little bit last week. Target um, selected it as a book club pick for February, which is basically uh, super awesome. Super That's awesome. Cool.
0: We're excited. They're going to be signed copies and everything. It'll be great. You'll, you mm-hmm. just like go find them because you'll want like five copies for yourself, and I guess you can give some to your friends. I mean. That's yeah. what books are for, right? Share them and with And the that's world. what
1: friends are for. Like, you will
0: be the best friend ever if you're doing that. Absolutely.
1: And actually, it's funny because um, a friend of mine actually just today asked me, a friend of mine who does not read romance, actually just asked me today, hey, have you heard about this book, The Wedding Date? I'm seeing all of this stuff about it. It's supposed to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, so if you are listening to this uh, podcast, it comes out Ju- January 29th. So um it is the wedding day comes out the 30th Mm -hmm. yeah so you will have at most 24 hours to wait to um experience this level of joy in your life so much joy so much joy i so appreciate Jess that you are the voice of joy on the wedded romance podcast at least in episode one that is for sure i was
0: i was kind of the, the voice of uh kill the patriarchy like 20 minutes ago so i gotta end on a high note you know Oh, is that not the same as the boys of joy? <laughs> oh, you're to, right. You're right. I may have to reestablish about? my priorities. My apologies. Oh man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. Well, let's. You know what? This is only episode one. Let's see how things go. Indeed. Um, but for now, um, you know, if folks have questions or thoughts, um, I got a question from uh, my sister-in-law actually just the other day about whether or not Twilight counts as romance, mm-hmm. and before I. Started in a whole text response to her. I thought, you know, maybe we should do some some Q and A on when in romance. Maybe we'll we'll do that. So if folks, um, send us questions. Absolutely. Uh, we can we can we can let you know about those those hard hitting questions. Um, Super hard hitting. Those yeah. Heavy. Exactly.
0: Heavy heavy, right? heavy questions. Yeah.
1: So where should people ask you questions if they've got them?
0: You can send me a message on Twitter or you know just tweet at me. Um, Jess is reading right over there just right there.
1: And I am on Twitter as well. I am at Trisha underscore reads, T-R-I-S-H-A, reads like the book, obviously not like the plant. That would be weird. (laughs) So it's R-E-A-D-S. And yeah, definitely let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you think of all of these things that we talked about. Um, But again, please don't tell me how wrong I am about uh, The Big Sick. I really did like it. I just don't know if it's a romance and I'm probably going to continue to feel that way. So you don't have to email or you don't have to tweet me about that. Save your fingers. However. Yeah, exactly. Save your time. Save mine. It'll be great. Um, so yeah, I guess that's, that's probably it for this
0: time around. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks everyone for listening to our first official episode. We'll see you next time. Well, enjoy your reading. Enjoy your reading.